Our guest today is Dr. Erica Bowling, owner and founder of Northeast Canine Conditioning and associate professor at Rutgers University. And there's a reason I have Dr. Erica on today, and it goes back to a year and a half ago when I had Era with me in Las Vegas for a workshop. Workshop went well, we were on the last day, our flight left in about eight hours. So we were sitting talking with some friends and Era was lying down on the ground and we got up to go wander. He stands up and he's limping. And there was no rhyme, no reason for it. He had just been down sleeping for an hour and he's limping. So we had eight hours to kill in Vegas on a Sunday and I had a limping dog. So we got him through the airport onto the plane from the plane, you know, down here in Orlando to the car and got him to the vet the next day. And what I was told was he had weeks of crate rest, which arrow and crate rest don't always go together. He doesn't ever think he needs weeks of crate rest along with medication. And I didn't know what the reasoning behind it was. And I know Dr. Erica had something similar happen to her dog, her Malinois. So I asked her to join us today and she graciously accepted. So I'm very excited about this. So Dr. Erica, how and why did you get involved in canine fitness? Hi, thank you so much for having me. Yes, it's a similar story. Um, my dog, though, is not a service dog. I was engaged in um, training for a sport called French Ring, a protection sport. And um, my dog was not even a year old. He was almost a year old, and he was having just kind of sporadic limping. He would be laying down, sleeping, get up, and one of his hind legs, he would limp for two to three steps, and then he'd be fine. And then a week or two later, it would happen again. And um, this went on for a while. And of course, every time I took him to the veterinarian, and specialist, he was never limping. <laughs> and um, this went on, I saw a number of specialists um, had, you know, uh, had tests done. And um, it wasn't, it was about almost nine months later. And I was like, you know, something's just not right. My gut's telling me and the veterinarians are like, well, if he's not limping, you can keep working him. And I went to a canine physical therapist. And she actually within five minutes, she diagnosed it. This was nine months of trying to figure out what was wrong with him. He actually had a pulled muscle. It was the iliopsoas in the groin area. And um, we started him on a rehab and he had some rest and recovery time. And I basically lost a year um, to, you know, training and competing to get him back to 100%. And what I learned in that process was that there were two things that were we think were, were key to the issue with the injury. Um, number one was the way he was structured. He's got a really long back. He's a real kind of big, long, lanky, heavy Malinois. And we think it could have started with just some weakness, general weakness in his lower back. And at the time, I didn't know about canine you know, conditioning. I wasn't doing exercise programs for strengthening. And we think over time, it just kind of started to affect other parts of his body and weak areas. And then it just started to break down. Um, the other thing was he had been showing, I didn't realize this until I started learning more and more about canine massage, canine fitness, but he had been showing very subtle signs along the way that there were some issues before limping, you know, the way he was moving, the way he was sitting. And I had missed all of those signs because I didn't know any better. And so um, after that happened, I was just on a mission to learn as much as I could about canine fitness and massage to, to keep my dogs as healthy and as fit as possible. And basically what grew out of that was people would see me stretching my dogs and doing different types of physical exercises with them to keep them fit. And they started asking me to share what I was doing and why I was doing what I was doing. And that ultimately just grew in, into a, a whole business. I now do um, seminars and online certification. I have a um, canine certified um, athlete specialist certification program. And I 
I now teach others um, all the different things that I learned in the process. So um, it was very similar to yours. You know, it started out, I never really, a lot of people never give it a second thought until their dogs actually get injured. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh my gosh, what can I, you know, what can I do differently? And what could I have done to have prevented this injury? Exactly. Yeah. And with the service dogs, they are with the owners all the time. The owners really rely on them and we need them to be at peak performance. So why would my service dog need a fitness program? Yeah. Um, your, when we talk about, um, the service dogs, um, one of the things that has come up when I've been working with people um, in my program that are service dog trainers, um, service dog handlers, is one of the things that comes up over and over is that, and is different from the sporting world, is that these most of these dogs are working like all the time. It's like seven days a week they're doing something for their owners. They're assisting. They're helping. They're traveling to work. And um, one of the concerns that was happening with uh, a lot of the the trainers was that it's that constant impact. Even if the dogs aren't running and jumping and you know doing real hard physical sport activities like I do with my dogs, you know they're out there you know working in buildings and walking on cement and um, the strains on their body. When you think about dogs that have harnesses on and they're um, they're providing mobile support for their owners what's happening is that you're doing repetitive motions. You're working the dog in certain ways that are putting extra stressors and demands on the body. And, um, also it's creating, um, imbalances and it's not just with service dogs. It's anything that we're doing with our dogs. When we do a certain type of sport or activity, um, you know, repeatedly practicing exercises, we're doing movements, some movements more than others. Um, there's pressures on the dogs, you know, in certain points more so than another, like when we heal our dog on the left-hand side of our body and they're looking up at us. Think of the hours and hours and hours people train and put that dog in that healing position. You are creating imbalances in the dog. And what's happening is when you have those imbalances, the muscular imbalances, stretch, you know, the, the flexibility imbalances, you're creating points of potential weakness that could be um, down the road through either repetitive use exercises or trauma. If the dog's running on wet grass or slips on the ice, those are the areas that could potentially be the weak points that lead to injury down the road. So, um, so for a variety of different reasons is, you know, keeping the dog injury free, keeping your dog mobile. And another thing is thinking about the working lifespan of your dog. Um, you know, there are, our, our muscles and bones and joints, you know, there's only so much pounding our bodies take over time. Um, and there's a high incidence of, um, arthritis in our dogs as they get older. So another important aspect of physical fitness is that we keep the dogs fit and healthy. And if we keep them fit and healthy, they're going to have, um, you know, longer working careers. And also in addition to that, with the longer working careers, they're going to, as they're aging, um, you know, age more gracefully and, and and enjoy life longer. So there's many, many benefits, um, just not just on the specific for the service side of things, but just for, um, the, you know, having, um, a, a good healthy lifestyle and longevity for our dogs. So what exactly is involved with canine fitness? The, 
the way that I like to explain people uh, about canine fitness, number one is I think of all dogs as athletes. So if you watch any dog in slow motion on video, running and playing and, um, you know, running with other dogs in the backyard and jumping and twisting and turning, it's amazing what they do with their bodies. I mean, they're just so naturally athletic. And then when we think about our elite athletes, we think about the dogs that have to work at peak performance for their job or for sport. Um, it, you know, it's even more important that we keep them fit. So I like to give a comparison on the human side is we look at elite athletes. We look at football players. They don't just go out and throw footballs and kick football seven days a week. A, a true athlete, they're going to be in the gym. They're going to be lifting weights. They're going to be stretching. They're going to be getting massages. And it's that whole balanced program that they need so that they can work at peak performance. And for example, if I, if all I do is run and I don't stretch, my hamstrings start to get tight. It affects my lower back. I start to have tightness in my lower back. It starts to affect my whole body. But if I combine running with stretching, that's going to help balance it out. And then when I add strength training to it, it's going to make me a stronger runner. I'm going to have more, you know, faster, um, better bursts of energy. So for a canine fitness program, I like to talk about it as a balanced fitness program where you're combining all of these components and you're designing it to speak, to speak, to meet the unique needs of your dog. Okay. Well, that sounds like a lot of work. And I know for a lot of people, their days are already full. So how in the world are they going to find time to do even more stuff? That's a great question. One of the things that I do is I love to just integrate it into the things that I'm already doing. So for example, if I'm going to be out, you know, taking my dog to the park, or I'm going to be doing um, some exercise with my dog or some training is I'll throw in some stretching, you know, right before or after. Um, I will also, I have some fitness equipment I have at home and I can set it up in my, you know, in my room and I have a spare bedroom, but you know, that's kind of extra time, extra setup. And I have to, you know, set a day or a, an activity aside just to go up and work on those fitness activities. So I find that I do, I'm more likely to actually do it if I integrate it into just my day-to-day -day activities. So one of the things I'll do is when I go to the park and I'll look around and there's like a picnic table and I'll use the, the, the bench seat and I'll have my dog put his front feet up on there and have him sit and stand and do like doggy squats. And I'll just throw it in, in the middle of what we're doing. And it just, you know, takes a minute or two and then I'll let him run. And as he's cooling down, um, the other day I was there and there's a parking lot and they use to outline the parking area. It's like a fallen telephone pole. And so when my dog was done exercising and he was cooling off, I just walked him over to the telephone pole and had him walking on it forward and backwards working on our, um, on balance. And so i I find for me, if it just fits into my regular daily routine, I integrate into my warm up. I look at my environment and I do exercises, um, you know, in the moment while I'm already, you know, there, like if you're sitting at your desk at work and your dog's on the floor, you can just, you know, take a, it's good for us. We need to take a break and stand up and move and not just sit there for eight hours. Um, we could do something really quick and easy with our dog, um, to help them with some stretching or do a little exercise for some core strength. Um, another thing that I love to do is, um, you know, just sitting and watching TV and they keep bringing toys to you. <laughs> and so to reward them and give them the toy, they have to do some kind of, you know, some kind of activity, some kind of exercise for me. And I'll do things where I'll just, you know, work on the positions, a stand, a down, a sit. And then my dog had learned the sit pretty and he'll even do it without me even asking him. He'll offer the behavior and, and do these exercises in front of me. And um, I get, I, it's amazing. I actually can get a lot of training done um, just on the couch when he's begging for attention and putting a toy in my lap. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, we always try to do what we call lazy training. So I'll do a lot of training with the dogs from a seated position or sitting on the ground with them because 
you know, I know a lot of people, whenever they do have the different disabilities, why they need a service dog, some of them aren't as mobile. Some of them can't be outside, you know, taking their dogs for walks and for runs. So I love what you're saying about, you know, training at the desk or training on the couch. That's right up my alley. Yeah. <laughs> so could you design a fitness program for one of the dogs? Yeah, what I do when I design a fitness program for a dog, there's a couple things I do. Number one is I look at the structure of the dog. Um, every dog's unique. And if you just look at their physical structure, they're they're going to have specific strengths and weaknesses. You know, we're, we're not perfectly built. You know, we have one leg longer than another. Um, you know, I have a really long, I'm really long in the torso. And so I tend to have some issues with my lower back because I don't have a lot of, you know, a lot of muscle surrounding there. And um, so it's the same with the dogs based on the structure of the dogs. And even within the breeds, I have two Malinois and and they're structured completely different. And so their physical needs, their strengths and weaknesses are different. So one of the things that I do is I look at, I do kind of an assessment. I look at the dog, a gait analysis, a gait, uh, analysis look at the, the way the dog's moving. I do a structural analysis and I look at the dog's physical strengths and weaknesses so that I can design a, spe a program specific to that. And then I also look at the sport, the job, the activity that the dog needs to do, and what are those unique demands that are placed on the body. So for example, a dog, uh, a, a dog that's supporting um, some of the weight of the owner for mobility, right? They're going to have very different physical needs than a dog that um, is, you know, just loose off leash. Um, and they're going and retrieving items and bringing them back to the owner. Um, you know, their, their bodies are, they're doing different things and there's different demands placed on their bodies. So what I do is I consider the individual dog and I also consider the needs of what that dog has to do and then de develop a program that's going to be unique to the specific needs of the dog. And so I do have some people that will contact me and they'll say, Hey, can, um, you know, you design a program for my dog and I encourage them to, to, do a program with me so that they can learn how to actually design and develop and, and modify a program. Because what happens is when you develop a program for a dog, in order for your program to be effective, you have to continually um, put additional demands on the body. Because what we kind of hit, you know, hit the ceiling where, you know, if I'm always doing the same exercises over and over all the time, I, I reach a certain point of fitness and I don't get any better. I don't get any stronger. I don't get any more flexible. So when you set a fitness program, you have to constantly be modifying it so that you're, you know, you're, you're challenging the body to get better, to get stronger, to get more flexible. And when you're doing that, you have to make sure that you're adjusting it correctly, because if you don't put enough demands on the body, the body doesn't, it, you don't see improvement, but if you do too much too soon, you can actually be setting your dog up for injury. And so I don't like to just have a generic program and say, here's your program and here and go do it because I'm not there next to the dog and seeing, you know, if the dog's handling the exercise well, maybe the dog's doing too many repetitions and you need to back off. Maybe it's too easy and you now need to increase the activities and make it more demanding. And going back to the injury with my dog is also teaching people how to identify those very subtle signs of soreness and pain so that you know, you, you don't do what I did. And, you know, my dog was showing me signs. He was, you know, tight and sore in certain areas of his body. And I kept working him. It wasn't until he was limping that it was obvious something was wrong. And so I like to help people by teaching them the knowledge and the skills so that they develop these observational skills that they can start to detect where are the imbalances and the potential areas of soreness or tightness in their dog. And then also help educate people so that when they are doing exercises and doing these activities with their dog, they are trained in knowing, oh, you know, 
that I, you know, my dog's getting fatigued, I need to stop, or my dog needs an extra day of rest, or, um, you know, or I need to do more, more repetitions, my dog's ready for something more challenging. So I like to teach people how they can actually do that themselves so that they're not always going to have to be reliant on another person to make those decisions for them. Oh, I love that. So how do I learn more? So um, there's a couple things that you can do if you want to learn more is I do have a website. It's northeastcanineconditioning.com and it's Northeast Canine. It's the letter K and the number nine. Um, I'm also on Facebook. I'm really active on Facebook. So you can also reach me there. Uh, again, I have a business page. It's Northeast Canine Conditioning. And I do uh, have a Facebook live vi uh, video show that I do every Friday at 8.30 p.m. Eastern time. And if you go to my Facebook business page, you can also see all the replays of all of those. Um, so I've have a number number of them on fitness topics and also canine business related topics. Um, and then also I encourage people to go to, I have an online canine fitness quiz and the URL to access it is canine. It's the letter K, the number nine is caninefitnessquiz.com. And, um, what this is a great quiz. It's like a, it's not like a, an official test. It's more like a self-assessment and it covers different areas of canine fitness so that you can get a sense of, you know, what do you already know? Um, what are some areas of, you know, where you might want to learn more? And it also helps you to understand better. What are the components of canine fitness from, um, evaluating your dog, the needs of your dog to program designing programs to actually implementing a canine fitness program. And if people go to the caninefitnessquiz.com site, if you go through the quiz, it will email you a summary of your results. So you can see the different sections and the different topics and where your own strengths and weaknesses are. And another great thing is at the end, there are three questions and they ask you about, um, your, your commitment level. It talks about if you're ready to discover more, if you want to learn more, if you're open to um, getting guidance to learn more about canine fitness. And also the last question says, I highly value the offer of a complimentary virtual canine conditioning coaching call. So if people do that uh, canine fitness quiz, and if they're really interested in learning more, just rate those scales high of high interest and high commitment level. And then you can um, qualify for a one-on-one, -on -one, a complimentary one-on-one -on -one coaching session with me. And uh, it can be by phone or we can do it virtually on the computer. And it's a great time to talk about your specific needs. Um, what are the unique um, demands that your dog is facing, uh, you know, in the day to day and the work that, that he or she does. And, um, and that's a great way to get started. Also, if you go to my website, um, you can read about some of my programs and you can also download the brochure for the elite canine athlete program. And that's a program that leads for certification. And that's especially um, good for people who are trainers, canine business owners who are interested, not just in learning canine fitness for their own dogs, but how to um, design program for other people's dogs and also how to educate people about canine fitness. So I do encourage people to visit my website, um, join me on Facebook and most definitely um, take that canine fitness quiz at caninefitnessquiz.com. Oh, that is fantastic. Thank you for sharing all that. Now, all those links are going to be in our show notes section of the episode that we keep up on our website, Dream Canine. So you can access um, this podcast number and get the links directly for her website, her Facebook, uh, the fitness quiz, all you need all in one place. Uh, thank you so much for being with us today and for sharing all this fantastic information on how we can keep our service dogs to the peak of their performance. Thank you so much for having me and uh, don't hesitate to uh, reach out to me uh, if anybody has any questions and wants to learn more. Perfect. Thanks.